experiment in the art of recording podcast over Zoom, so hopefully it will work. Uh, just in case you don't know us, Talent Atelier are a small executive search business based in London, but we work globally, placing creative minds in the business, and that ranges from CEOs and creative directors through to CEOs and board members. Uh, I'm Rachel, obviously, and I'm joined, as always, by Joe, as well as Sarah producing, and we have a very special guest. Uh, Her experience spans TV production, working at Apple, uh, luxury fashion businesses, and the Ministry of Sound, and she's now consulting across HR and talent through her own venture, The Small HR Company. Hello to Sita. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Hooray. Um, We're really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time out, especially uh, with how busy you are at the moment. And uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, What have you been up to at the moment then? What's been going on in Tazita land? I've been out on my own. My company started about a year ago. Mm -hmm. So just celebrating my one year anniversary of my company. And it was really, really um, shocked, but I shouldn't be shocked because why should you be shocked? You should be confident. But um, going really, really well. I've got quite a few clients. I've got an associate team of two, which are now helping me as well, which works. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Um, it's stressful, but it's good. It's where I want to go. And basically, um, I am, my company is like HRD for hire. So super senior HR people that can come into your business um, and resolve any challenges you may have and support you with the people, yeah, people issues, people challenges you may have. So restructuring, putting in place systems, policies, basic stuff. So from very basic to super complicated, we're here. And I think the, the focus we have is getting it done quite quickly for you because we have lots of experience between us. So that's the model of the business, yeah. Okay, amazing. Well, I'm really, really like happy to have another person to chat to as well, especially because it's normally just uh, me and Joe at the moment going crackers together. Uh, not that we don't love chatting, but um, we're keen to get your thoughts on both of our topics today. Uh, the first is something that we are, I mean, working in kind of talent, you're always coming up against this, and that's the positions that are coming that are new to market, but business are, businesses are expecting lots and lots of experience that already exists. I saw quite a funny thing recently. I might have mentioned this in our previous podcast, but it was about someone wanting like 15 years social media experience. And then someone else saying, do you want Tom from MySpace? Well, um, do you remember him? He was just automatically <laughs> your friend. And you were like, who the hell is Tom? And you were like, oh, hi. Um, so that's our first topic. And then the next topic, which is obviously the most important and the reason why you're here, is talking about the big issue of hiring for diversity and inclusion inclusion positions where those people come from like has that position existed before so we'll get into that a little bit later so today's landscape of hiring people is obviously changing not only by the minute maybe by the second Uh, so it's harder than normal to predict who's going to be right for a position and sometimes businesses are creating jobs that maybe fit their needs rather than maybe looking what's available in the market i'm sure we've all been there and we've got someone saying i want this and you're like hey that's a made-up term Sometimes these companies might be direct consumer businesses with a lean towards tech, or they might be looking for something with a major skill set that's only existed in the market for a short amount of time, and everyone that can do it is like 21. And it's definitely interesting, obviously, to manage that. Joe, maybe let's start with you. Like, what kind of companies are we talking about here? Like, give me some names of businesses that are doing these hires. So, people doing interesting hires, a lot of them are direct to consumer brands or brands yeah. that are be in that space or focus their efforts more on their on their customer. So it's um, you know brands playing in that space like Josh Wood, 
Pinterest, Tails.com, but then there's there's also the the more traditional brands, uh, you know, playing in the dot com space now. Now they can't lean on retail as much, I think. Mm, completely. But the job titles, there's one specifically that I wanted to talk about today, which is growth marketing. Ah, yes. The, the interesting title of growth marketing when businesses don't know what it is and everyone that does it is, has a different skill set. I love this job because I'm always like, you're listening to you on the phone, you're like, growth marketing, great. What is it you actually need? Yeah. <laughs> so I, do, I do tons of, uh, of work in the growth marketing space and it's a relatively new term. So I don't know anyone personally in their third growth marketing role. So some of the senior hires in this category are asking for, sorry, some of the more senior roles in this category are asking for significant experience. So you have to think about it a little bit differently. Brands seem to be picking up this term and running with it as they pivot into the direct-to-consumer channels. The role tends to differ from brand to brand and is often quite dependent on the founder or the hiring manager's skill set or background. It's one of those ones where it's the buzzword mm -hmm. and the person doesn't really, no one really understands. Um, you know what you want to do. You want something to go from one to a hundred, help me get there. But rather than just looking at the basics and seeing how that can be applied by anybody, they are looking for this super specific unicorn person that doesn't really exist. And that's really, it must be difficult for you to try and then convince people that are looking to take on people who maybe are passionate about this area, but might not have and can't have, you know, 20, 20 years experience in growth marketing. Um, yeah, it must be, must be super challenging to try and convince, to meet good people who are passionate, but then to convince CEOs and founders that the person is right, even though they might have only done this specific thing for you. Yeah, because it depends two. on who their CMO is, right? Or who the CEO is. Some brands are looking for people from a performance marketing background with a focus on developing new sources of acquisition, conversion, retention. And that, that talent tends to be very data and channel oriented and, and super analytical. But then when you look at other brands, and this tends to be the more traditional ones that have this growth and marketing director title, they tend to look for people that are more brand focused across all channels. And that includes PR, events, media, still with that customer focus, they're still trying to get, their, uh, get to know their customer better but they don't have that commercial data mindset. So, you know, with that in mind, one huge tech brand that I looked at yesterday when I was doing my prep for this podcast has somebody in that role from a PPC background. And that's the only... Why don't you explain what PPC is just in case someone listening doesn't know what PPC is? Uh, it's pay-per-click. So all they've yeah. ever focused on is pay-per-click marketing. So, so, you know, they have very, very siloed experience in marketing and now have this growth marketing director title. So, yeah, it's a really interesting space. We find that the salaries are so broad. It can be, you know, anywhere from 40K to 120K. Mm. Wow. The, um, there's also loads of new jobs that are coming up within the kind of tech businesses that will be like head of newness and innovation. And so people... I find because sometimes get in contact with us and they'll be like, I'm really innovative and I love newness. And we'll be like, hey, but it'll actually be something super, super techie, right? It's like, it'll be something that will be coming from a really nerdy, more kind of CTO background. Yeah. I might put something out there. Is it then potentially the role of the HR support function that is supporting internally? Mm -hmm. 
to weed out these job titles and try and find a way to make them more realistic aligned with what people are doing as opposed to allowing companies to have branding it's like a branding exercise yeah yeah. So, for example, I remember when um, I was working with one particular company and they had a, um, a CMO. That CMO, this is going back a while, I'm going to show my age, wanted a marketing manager and a digital marketing manager. Oh, yeah. Now, now you wouldn't find that it would either be just digital or just because they do the same thing or they should be going in the same direction, correct me if I'm wrong. But it was just like having to have a really honest conversation, breaking it down. Why are these things different in today's market? Is it not marketing encompassing everything? Why is it specifically this bit? Because if it's, for example, just social media, then you should be looking for someone who does just social media. Mm. That makes sense. Mm. So I think, I think there's a way in which we can um, help people to demystify these new titles and new fads by breaking it down. I, I'm all for, you know, rebranding a title, rebranding a, um, a department, but sometimes it can get a bit out of hand. Mm, completely. I do. I'm sure, I'm sure we've worked with companies before where they've had titles that just have made no sense whatsoever. So I felt really sorry for the people that would be sitting on kind of LinkedIn or anything, because if they're putting their normal job title down, then if they are thinking about doing something in the future, then that doesn't necessarily make sense. Or, or companies where they have like quite a flat, flat hierarchical structure. And so everyone will be the same level, even if they're all doing, you know, much more senior things and, and that kind of stuff as well. So Joe, let's talk about how you break down a team and when you're being pitched out by a company about this new amazing hire that they want to make, like how do you get down to the actual truth? Well, like I was saying before, you need to know that in the workings of the team, um, who's great at what, and what the missing pieces of the puzzle are mm -hmm. um, and to do that you need to know what the goals are for the brand in the next three to five years and what they're not doing great so i guess you know are they are they missing tech rigor are they missing creativity do they miss somebody from the kind of the data side and it's fair enough let's give it that title but actually what is the person doing is more important than the title i think mm. That's really relevant. Also, I think something that we've experienced and you probably have to see as well is sometimes there will be someone already almost in that role and then the business are hiring and you're like, hey, and then maybe that person might be involved in the interview process, but there's a disconnect between a few different people and then that person's just sat there like, hey, are you recruiting for my role? Because this is really strange. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's, a, again, a responsibility to look at the structure as a whole, who you want to be, rather than just creating jazzy titles for the sake of it, but really breaking down the fundamentals of what someone will be doing and mapping that across your end-to-end, -end, your product, your process, your budget, whatever it may be. But yeah, I think I think that's what, what what's super important. I think I was just as you were talking before, I was thinking, where did this start? Who who started mm. this whole thing? And I think it might have been Apple when they created that role of the genius, right? Everyone with the fancy title, let's call it something else. Than, whether, than what it really, really is. So I think tech has a lot to play with this. Um, but it's good to get specific around what you're doing, but you don't want to put box yourself yeah, you don't in want to be corner siloed into as an individual yeah. with your job title, because when you're looking for future roles, it's what do you actually do? I've got a question actually, based on that. So if you've got someone that's been working for a business where they've had a strange job title and they feel that it doesn't necessarily reflect them going out into the job industry, how would you feel as an HR person if this, if someone had changed their job title on their CV to reflect what they were actually doing in the real world? Yeah, it can happen when you have some of the roles that, you know, companies are hiring for, you do become very, very niche. So um, 
that happens sometimes. You might have, for example, genius in a um, as a title, and then in brackets, what you were really doing, what what it, what it would be called in the real world, and that's okay because you're going to have to receive explain what you were doing. So that explanation is what I'm going to go on. So that job title is very unique to that company. It says a lot, you know, chief happiness officer. <laughs> that's that's a really good example, that. chief happiness officer. I've seen that before, and you're like, Come on, that is, is that, if that title makes you feel good at the time, and makes you feel that the company that you're working for is around creating happiness, amazing. But when you go somewhere else, you're going to be the HR director or the chief people officer or whatever it may be. So, so you're fine with that, like, because I know people feel nervous about that, like, like, oh, my job title. What if it, what if it looks like I'm lying on my CV? But it's not lying. It's just uncovering the truth a little bit, so people can understand a bit more. And I don't think as a recruit, as a recruitment or talent part of my role. I'm going to cast net quite wide in the titles that I'm looking for because sometimes you won't find someone by looking for, for example, if you're looking for a talent manager, you have to look at recruitment also because that company might call them talent, but actually they're recruitment. So I think you have to cast net a bit wide. So it's okay to have that those those amazing titles with marketing, but yeah, what can you go okay. Um, so this brings us kind of segues us nicely into our next topic um which is the recruitment and the kind of hire and the management and just the empowerment maybe of the new title um that's kind of hit the market recently which is head of diversity and inclusion and we are being kind of asked and talked to about this almost behind closed doors quite a lot about like who that you should be looking at like what kind of background these people should have and we thought that you know it's an interesting position because it almost should it exist already and i know the brief conversation that we had before this that's something that you feel passionate about joe if i just ask you beforehand like what kind of companies maybe have this position and then to see so we can talk about like where they've come from that would be really helpful so what what kind of businesses are making waves and actually well, wanting to have this it, position it spans quite a few different sectors so we've got lululemon in sports we've got monzo in fintech deepmind technologies which is part of google esop which is um you know self-care and or just think yeah. yeah and um depop mm-hmm mm-hmm it's pretty sector wide. They're pretty big companies though, aren't they? Do you like to see to, do you feel that this position is a new role or is it something that's existed in the market before? Like what, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's existed for a while in a form. So it might have been head of diversity or head of inclusion, but now it's kind of diversity, equality, equity, inclusion, all in one. I think larger companies have felt um, they might have had like various societies that needed support. Um, so banking is a good one where you find a lot of this happening. Um, legal, I, I think big city firms normally have something like this. It wouldn't normally be a head office. I'm, I'm going back some years now. It might just be a manager um, who's tasked with some metrics around hiring differently, looking at socioeconomics, looking at LGBT community, that type of thing. So Obviously, the summer's happened and Black Lives Matter, the movement has arisen um, to the forefront of everyone's mind. It's like, ah, we've now got some employees that have complained about some stuff that has been going on for ages and we knew about it. HR didn't really do much about it or didn't have the capacity to. So now we're going to hire one person specifically to deal with this. And that's wrong. It should be. (laughs) Who can do that? Yeah. Who can do that for the world? Um, So I think it's wrong in a sense that it's a role that's so heavily weighted that it can't be the responsibility of one person. That person normally joins, they're there to infiltrate the entire organization, the entire life cycle um, to support diversity, increase diversity and educate their employees around 
being what it means to be diverse and how to celebrate that and to make sure people are not fearful to allow people to come to work and be their whole self whatever that may be so this has been going on in the workplace i'd say since the 50s you've got legislation that backs it up but nothing has really moved forward and in our conversation we had before we talked about nothing's ever been finished whether it be around equal pay or you know various rights at work you know yeah it feels like we only just stopped we're with, with like you know maternity policies and women coming back to work and that stuff seems like it's so far off having any kind of impact yet and then the lgbtq has has come in and people are like oh my god we haven't done anything about that and then the black lives matter movement and and people just feel like they're failing all the time because they can't ever make any impact and especially if you've got one poor person going into a business and being like right then here we go we're going to do this this and this i just think it's it's a big role um, that has existed for a long time. How you qualify in this role, what qualifies you to be the expert in this role, I think comes down to having knowledge across the board. I think that, and it's also about learning where to get expertise. So I don't think any one person can know it all, but it's okay, what is the objective of this company and how can they go and find someone that is not a tick box exercise, that is not a tokenistic hire? Because I think a lot of these that have now come to the fore, they feel tokenistic. There's not enough people to fill these roles. What mm. qualifies me to go in and be head of diversity? What yeah. about that black woman? No. Um, what qualifies me? What experience do I need to have? What, like, what do you feel will make this person? Because it is one of those new roles. And it's like, okay, what, what do we look for? What qualifications can you have? What life experience do you need to make you a person that can understand the commercial workings of a business, but that can also um, add this? Like, do you feel that they should come from because we've been asked by businesses like should they come from like a marketing and pr background so it's almost like a brand awareness piece internally and externally or should they come from hr but then hr doesn't feel like it's it's it understands it necessarily and i know you were saying that earlier yeah i, I think it comes that boils down to the individual it's how do you market yourself as being equipped to do that role and then it's been difficult to have experience in it because you might have done dealt with certain areas of this but how do you take on the mammoth that is in making a company of any size um more diverse a better place to work more attractive to people people wanting to stay because there are so many layers to this cake mm. so how do we ensure that we're hiring the right people into that role because you know some of the massive brands have got it wrong um massive sports brands have got it wrong and um, saying you know you know downplaying what's going on in their own companies and you talk about people who are earning lots of money you know he global heads of hr have got this wrong in sports companies um so that's someone who had the responsibility of 200,000 people across the globe around diversity and inclusion and they are getting it wrong. They've got a lot of experience, but maybe no life experience. I think that companies need to be very careful in hiring this role. Look at why you're trying to hire this role and what can you do to give the other people on your board, um, other seniors, what tools can you give them to help them to get there quickly so it's not just the responsibility of one person who might not get it right. Yeah. My friend works in diversity and inclusion and she chairs meetings with CEOs of huge brands and agencies about how to approach their diversity and inclusion uh, within their businesses. And she doesn't feel experienced enough to apply for one of these roles at the companies looking at the job specs. So I find that quite alarming because she is such an impressive person and she is a truly global person as well. She's worked in five different countries. Yeah. So, and I think that as you say that, um, she should apply. And this is what goes back to what we were saying before around 
the job, the job titles and who applies and how do you find that person? I think the, the confidence you have to be able to go into any organization and say, I'm going to be the person that's going to move your diversity and inclusion dial from here to here. You have to have a lot of confidence because you're fighting a lot of internal. Everyone says they're up for it, but when you really start breaking it down, people are going to start feeling fearful of their jobs and fearful of change. So you've got change management in there. You're going to have people who are worried, um, scared of losing their job. There's so many things that when people feel attacked you know what does that mean am i going to you know, make it a bigger table all we're doing is making a bigger table we're not taking anything away from you but we are wanting to change your mindset if it needs changing or bringing out what you really feel so your friends as you speak I, I can see how much of a challenge it would be and how wearing it can be to be the owner of this for a brand getting it right mm. all the time yeah because you can't this role is like you can't make mistakes well this role you cannot make mistakes you cannot be caught out in saying the wrong thing doing the wrong thing educating people in the wrong way you know it, 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 it's a lot yeah so if you so yeah in a sense if if you get it wrong your brand's got it wrong yes. um and if if your if your uh, people don't fall into line then you've also got it wrong again yeah, if you can't get the buy-in of, you're getting the buy-in of a lot of people on this. They're all looking at you like, okay, show you what you're going to do then. How are we going to, you know, increase the amount of people we hire from this area to this area without the people that are currently there thinking that they're going to get pushed out? How are we going to say the right things on social media? How are we going to, um, you know, ignore the noise from customers who don't agree with you? Are you are you comfortable with doing that? It's a very challenging space to be in um, and a lot of responsibility to get it right. So how, how do companies who sign up and say, yeah, we did a black tile um, and now we're woke and now we're going to help you and now we're going to hire. It's all going to happen in, you know, in three months versus the last 30 years. Um, but look, we're going to do it. How? <laughs> yeah. um, do you think um, it's easier to start with the smaller businesses? I think smaller businesses should use... Um, professional support where they can and decide who they want to be. I think generally companies should decide who they want to be and what they want to say and stick to that. Um, but small mm. businesses should go out. If they can't afford a head, they should do something. So whether that's going home in an agency or a consultant or something, I think that there's responsibility. And this is not just in the cities. I feel quite passionate about that. In the cities, we're very lucky to have diversity around us. You know, you look at your neighbours, look at the shops that down your high street. We are more used to um, having um, diverse, um, diverse vision. It's when you go to Middle England or other, other parts of the, of, of the UK, that's where those companies who maybe, I don't know, like an aerospace company where they don't have a diverse workforce but want to do more around diversity, how do they do that? That person, I think, has got a massive challenge. How do you go into Middle England in an aerospace company where people don't live there? It's not like London where you can actually, I think, you really have no excuse in London, but you go into, and I can't think of a place in the UK, you know, that I can name that would be quite um, a monocultural um, town. They want to do work, but what do they do? Is it about them understanding? It's a big job, but I think a lot of companies should be shining a light. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think it should be shining a light on this is because talent will go to the companies that are doing good work. And even though we're in the middle of, you know, what could be not a great time for the workplace, people still have options. Yeah, yeah. that's a really positive thing to say. Yeah. yeah. And they, they'll be choosy about those companies, won't they? And they'll, they'll go naturally. And then as soon as you see someone like yourself reflected in that business, you'll naturally 
migrate to it. I think that it'd be helpful for us to maybe share some of your resources on our show notes about agent, any agencies that you think are really good, because obviously it's such a specialised new industry. And even with that, just on your point there, I do some DNI, but I'm not a specialist. So I can do up to a point and then I hand over to people that I know that can get really deep into things like trans into issues um, or challenges, get really deep into gender pay, specific, some specifics in there that you can't, I find it, yeah. I'd be expecting everything, I can't. I know my experience and what I'm passionate about for myself, um, mm -hmm. but there are bits of it that I just do not know. So I then draw upon the expertise of others to focus on that. Because lived yeah. experience and um, says a lot. So if it's about a trans um, issue at work, I'll go say these people are amazing, they can help you in the workplace, go and speak to them. Mm, get educated yeah i think it, everything like expecting hr to know all about all of this stuff is just not fair is it it's not fair and that's where i think hr sometimes lose their way they feel that they should be the experts in absolutely everything and they don't have to be you can be a good journalist and know a little bit about stuff but then know when to pull in other people to support and help you um and that's i think the only right thing to do so i'm hoping that the hr mindset will shift towards oh i can do that and i can do that to actually no i can't do that you need someone who's going to really dig deep here for you and you're going to speak to these people mm. and so do you think that things like unconscious, like for example, if you were taking Talent Atelier as a little business it is, and you were, you were saying to us what we should be doing, do you think we should do unconscious bias training on an online course? Do you think it's completely pointless? I'm curious. Yeah, I think it's, I think that, I think, you know, last year, no one did unconscious bias training. Um, we knew it existed, but we didn't do it. We knew there's like, you know, a test you could take online and we need, we need a bit more diversity. Then in the summer, everyone, recognize that there is a really cheap course I can do that will tick a box um, and look like we're doing something. And that might sound really controversial, but we've done, oh, let's do some unconscious bias training. Okay, tick, we've done that. Everyone's gone through that. What next? Because that to me is quite fickle. When you want to go deep and start talking about race at work, um, you want to start talking about, you know, how do we now look at microaggressions? What are they? How are we going to give each other feedback and call each other out around things that are not right in the workplace that we know? How do we audit the disciplines that have gone on in the last five years that we know were, were wrong? Those people are still working here or they've been fired. How do you pull those things up and learn from our mistakes um, and plan to not have any more or plans that we put things in place that we don't tolerate? We're a zero tolerance um, environment for these things and say it really, really loud. That to me is more important than putting 100 people through an unconscious bias piece of training well, for an hour. Um, that's true action. And I find yes. that some brands um, are looking to actively recruit a diverse hire, whatever that means. Um, and I wonder if everyone is aware that it isn't a movement, it's a long-term commitment. So this, this needs to be threaded through the business from the ground up and not be a department or a person. Um, otherwise, I think it feels quite performative. Definitely. And that's the, the, I, that, the, I love that word performative because that's what happens so much so to me unconscious bias training for an hour and a half or two hours or three is a real performative action well done congratulations pat yourself on the back you've done something this summer okay what next because a lot of the companies that did black tiles back in um the summer and now a lot of those have done unconscious bias training they've got an advert out for a dni person but what does that mean? What is a real, real change going to come through? What are you doing differently now? How comfortable do people feel worth coming into the office or working from home about what you are doing? Does it mean something? Um, 
And that's the bit where I kind of like, oh, I cringe because I think we've got Black History Month coming up um, the 1st of October. All those companies that did lovely, you know, unconscious bias training or spoke about it and said, oh my God, this isn't, it's really bad, isn't it? I wasn't aware. Well, okay, yeah, we get that. You're now in an awareness phase. What's happening in October? Is that going to also be a bit performative when you're going to put out some you know, great media and some, some really lovely pictures on social media? What are you doing about your supply chain? Mm. What are you doing about your hiring chain? How are you ensuring that people that you are using for your business are doing the same? Because I think that's the real, and shout about that, we're using this agency because when we're using them, this is their values. And when they send us people, they make sure that they are looking for diverse candidates. So then we get five people of all different backgrounds and that's what they do. It's, it's normal. We're not gonna hire you five people who went to the same school, grew up in the same area, um, and all work for the same company. Because quite often, that's what's happened, like is hired like. So how are you in your recruitment chain, your supply chain of anything, suppliers, it could be anything, logistics, how are you changing that? How, what does your board look like? What's your, your um, want for your board in the next six to nine months? Things like that. It's just, I don't like performative stuff. I want, I want to see action. I want to buy from you and, and work with you because I know you're, you're on board. Mm. On that, when we were last hiring in the business, we wanted to actively recruit somebody from a different background to provide alternative thinking in the business because it's really important to us. Yeah, because otherwise we can't recruit properly, can we? Yeah. So we posted the role on two job sites um, that are aimed towards hiring young, diverse talent and we didn't have any applicants for the role off either site. So I just, I wonder if, um, you know, there's, there's a gap as in, you know, non, non-university educated talent even being aware that these jobs boards exists. I've never heard of them before. Huh? <laughs> just, as you said, I'm like, just as you said that, I'm like, oh, what are these boards called? Like, tell me after. Yeah, I'm I will, like, I will. I'll, I'll send them to you because there are two and they're, they're really highly rated. But um, also speaking to, to one of our clients who owns an agency, which is a digital marketing agency geared towards uh, Gen Z and millennial women, they'd also posted jobs on these sites and, and not really got any applicants. It just shows where the gaps in society are in terms of hiring what we say diverse talent and how to access that talent. I think that I think that I don't think it's difficult to find. I think that I've never heard of these sites before and who actually really uses them. Um, but the, the places that everybody goes to are where you shout about this is us and we're looking for someone who's like this. And the reason we're looking for is we want people who think differently to us and blah, blah, blah. And you send it out to your network. And I'm pretty sure, I'm gonna put my money on it here, that we could find you someone who you're looking for. I just think that those, I've never heard of those sites, like I said, and I think that LinkedIn is a great place to still find people. Um, but if not, then- So it's more about talking about your business in a, in a very open way in the mainstream rather than being specific yeah it's interesting yeah I think we were really disappointed because at the point I mean this was a few months ago before this all hit yeah. so um it was when we were still hiring for us sad times um but I remember us being really disappointed because we were like right okay cool we're gonna do this and we're gonna you know these are going to be the types of people that hopefully will apply and we were super excited and then we were just like oh right it's like no one and then generally the, the applicants that will apply to someone like us are all people from um, the London kind of fashion school graduates. 
and then we'll be like ah okay lots and lots of similar types of personalities which is fine lolling because joe and i don't have a qualification between us but um <laughs> um but uh, but yeah it was just it was just an interesting um yeah it was an interesting so time on that point i'd say if reach out to look your network is amazing um and i didn't even know you were hiring um but you, this was like at the like at the end of 2009 hang on where what year are we in 2009 was it February? Oh God, that's it. That feels like another planet, doesn't it? No. February. Oh dear. Yeah. Anyway, so it's just yeah, it was interesting. So for kind of as a general thing, then for all businesses, you would say be be broad on your on your like hiring, but just be explanatory that you are an you know, your business provides this, isn't this? And yeah, I yeah. think people want to work where it's welcoming and where it gets. Okay, wow, that they're, they're progressive. Okay, this is amazing. These are things that we do for our clients. This is the kind of people that we are to work for. And we want someone who joins us who thinks like this and looks at the view of the world like this. Is that you? Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, think, I, mean, I know of a company, a very large company, a very large bank, which is doing some really radical stuff. You know, they're almost threatening to break the law because you know a lot of this stuff isn't legal. As in, like, you can't just go and say, "Right, I want to, I want to hire a South Asian man," and you can't do that, right? But this company are actually going to start doing that, and they're like, "We, we have enough money to pay the fees and the fines, but we're going to go out and do that because we need to change something quickly." I think that's. That's super radical, but they've chosen to say, you know, we our board is the same, it's the same middle-aged white man, and I can't have that anymore. I need to change, I need to change half that board into X. And so I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna say this, this, this. I'm like, okay, let's see how that goes for you. <laughs> I'm interested to see, but she's very, very passionate. Oh, that sounds really interesting. We'll have to talk about that. You have to tell us who it is offline. Um, and we can tell you about those boards. Uh, cool, okay. Um, right, Does, have we got anything else to add on the roster? I think we've got, I think we've kind of covered everything looking at all of our questions, unless there's anything else that, that anybody specifically wants to say to see if you've got um, another. No, I think that for me, it, it's a really weird time in the world for both HR and for talent acquisition. And I'm sure that you are inundated with so many candidates for roles that don't exist, roles that do exist, can you help me find a job? And I just would love to know how we can, you know, going back to your first point about that new titles, support people more in transferring their skills. How do we help people? We know there's a booming business. Oh, I've got an interesting bit of chat about this, actually. It's kind of a weird one. So my, um, my sister-in-law, is in a relationship with a lovely guy who is in the RAF and he's been in the what or the RAF he's been in that for like his whole career and he's now 30 and what he does is quite specific and he's coming out of the RAF and is panicking about how to talk about himself and I was like it's all about the art of storytelling like I bet you're managing a team and you're dealing with this and you're dealing with that and he was like oh no yeah yeah I do I do all of these different things so I think it's the art of storytelling. It's being able to talk about yourself in an interesting way, pulling out relevant experience that then becomes a transferable skill. I don't think that, I think most, there are some people that will be like, I can do anything. And it's like, hey, you've got to be realistic because that can be a bit awkward. But certainly when you've got skills that are like, managing a team, like project management, um, you know, uh, looking after budgets, 
looking after things in times of adversity if you were one of the team that were kept on over furlough and you were you know all hands on deck doing all of that those are the things to talk about but without um without speaking out loud about them and getting confidence in how you're telling your story you can't do that so i think you just need to kind of keep keep speaking out loud about what you do i feel like you and i had a conversation years ago to see when you were thinking about consulting and you were saying about like pitching your business and it's like you just have to keep talking about it don't you so it's the same about transferring your skills on a cv manifest it it would be great for a lot of these companies like the onlines and to start also thinking okay how, who, who, who's in the market? What transferable skills have they got for this role? I'm not gonna look the same type of person because that can also play into the diversity piece. If you, as a project manager, only look for someone who did this type of project management, but there were others out there that done a different type of project management, how do you open it up as a company to say, anyone with these skills would be, work really well here, this type of organization that we are. I think businesses should also, now that they have opportunity to start thinking a little bit more outside the box because the talent pool is bigger. Mm, yeah yeah I, I think um you'd have to be a very active person to to do that um in this climate just because looking at when i looked on look on linkedin at the applications that they have for jobs one went up a week ago for a marketing director for a beauty brand and they've had 400 applications yeah so you know you I think somebody would have to would would have to be really active and passionate in that area to pick somebody yeah. from a different background. You're right. You're right. But I, you know, I've, I I do think that it is a great idea. Mm. I think it, it, it's it's definitely getting confidence in your own skill set and being able to explain that really succinctly as well. Because people that write huge emails really desperately trying to explain themselves. Um, it doesn't work. You've got to be like short and snappy, and it's the same on your CV. You know, you have to be you have to be short and snappy and to the point because people just don't have the time to to, yeah. to read stuff now, do they? Um, yeah, but it's I think it's definitely yeah. That's a super it's a super interesting point because the more yeah the more um, open minded you are when you're making a hire, the more likely you are to get someone interesting sitting in that seat. And I think that's where a lot of diversity can can kind of come in. If you're only looking for someone who has this formal education versus this length of yeah. experience, you're going to get the same type of person. So I think it's a good opportunity as we talk about diversity and DNI for companies to start thinking, okay, how do you think a little bit outside the box now that there is a massive talent pool um, out there who are available? So yeah, mm, completely. Um, cool. Okay, guys. That was absolutely incredible. I've really enjoyed having a lovely chat and also just enjoyed having a chat because I'm not just that chatting to my cat. My <laughs> um, it's really lovely. Um, thank you so much to Sita for joining oh, us. That was amazing. That was lovely. Anytime. Oh, was anytime. Oh, really good. Also, thank you to our lovely listeners, obviously, and Sarah, who sat on mute recording us. Um, if you like what you hear, then please do rate us and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you have any questions or comments, then we would be overjoyed to hear from you on podcast at talentatelier.com. And there's a wealth of information available on our website, talentatelier.com as well. And um, see to watch your website for your business. It's the smallhrcompany.com the small as in tiny hrcompany.com fabulous okay and do connect with her on linkedin as well and um, we will be back soon but in the meantime stay safe and um thank you so much for listening bye bye, bye.